Hello, hello, and welcome to the Borealis Experience. I'm your host, Aurora, and I'm very excited to be sharing this interview with you today. I have Courtney Atkinson here with me. He is a realtor, a really big realtor here in Southern Alberta, and is also a very successful business coach, um, maybe even life coach. Um, he's very active when it comes to his health and his fitness. Uh, so is his wife too. He has a very fit wife. And um, yeah, I'm very excited to have him on the show because like every hero, I know that Courtney must have gone through some pain, some adversity at some point in his life and We want to know more about you. We want to know how you got where you're at today. And um, yeah, it would help me and my listeners a lot to, to hear how you overcame struggle and pain in the past. Yeah, well, this is so lovely. What an amazing introduction. I hope that I can deliver on just some of the things that you said about me that was so kind. Thank you. And I want you to know that I, I love what you're doing and I love this platform for, for people a chance to speak about their journeys and, and where they've come from because I think uh, you're right. We've all had some special journey and something unique and some trials and tribulations that have caused us to be where we're at. And, and I'm just blessed that I'm, I'm happy with where I'm at and, uh, and fortunate to be here with you. So thank you. Wonderful. So, so Tell me, what, what, is there anything specific that you would like to know? Or do you want me just to kind of tell you a bit of a story? What works best for you? Um, usually tell us a little bit of your story and I will dig a little deeper if it's, uh, it's not enough. But I'm sure um, that you know the deeper we go, the more yeah, other people can benefit and learn um, from your story. Or maybe relate better to your story. Yeah. Sure. Well, I'll go back a ways. It's funny that we're having this conversation because I was just doing another podcast last night on a thousand ways to impact children. I think it's called with um, with Alan Fries. And, and I, I, I kind of let a cat out of the bag that I haven't disclosed publicly before that when I was 12, I had a drug overdose. And, and it was kind of like the culmination of a lot of bad behavior that I'd been experiencing at that time and I think when people say that you know it's like oh the parents they must have been terrible you know this child must have been you know I don't know I was just an average kid you know like my parents were teachers and I, I wasn't up to anything bad I had like the most loving family you know wholesome people nobody in my family was into drugs and uh and really what it came down to for me was that you know my parents were divorced and My mom had moved to Fredericton, New Brunswick, um, where I went to high school. My dad stayed in Chipman, a small town where he still lives. And, um, and I think what, what, what happened is that I was dividing my time between my parents' places. I, I started to feel a real sense of disconnect and an inability to belong anywhere. And you know how vulnerable that age is, right? You know, at that age, you're, you're just so desperate to fit in. It's like the most important thing, you know. And, uh, and so naturally I was kind of doing a lot of crazy things to, I suppose, to, to be seen really to be of, you know, to make some impact and to have people care about my, my presence and who I was and what I was up to. And so I did a lot of stuff that 
you know, that I'm not proud of. And I, and I did a lot of things that had some pretty negative long-term effects on my health. I'm still epileptic to this day as an example, as a result of that. And, um, and so I think that was kind of the start of a lot of hard learned lessons for me, but I don't want to tell you that it ended there. You know, I think that was really just, that was really just the beginning, like of, of me kind of trying things multiple times before, you know, I realized that that these would be the wrong path. And so, yeah, I would say it kind of all started at 12 and then, um, you know, managed to squeak into university. I think I was really lucky there and uh, played football and did reasonably well at that. But again, you know, with drugs and things like that um, in university as well. And, um, and that kind of, was part of the story that ended my university career due to injury and a lot of stuff from steroid use um, at that time, like a lot of young athletes do. And again, you know, just to impress people that maybe weren't even my friends and to make some impact and to belong and to do all those things that I think young people strive so much for. And that would have been in my early twenties at that point. So, so kind of had this history of, of doing these things that were, you know, certainly unhealthy and certainly not good choices, but that theme of, of wanting to belong was ever present, you know, for many, many years. The interesting thing I think that happens to young people, and I don't know if this is your journey or the journey of some other folks that you've interviewed, but you know, when you're, when you're in that mindset and so desperate to belong and, and you have this feeling of lack, you know, and uh, this sense of scarcity and worry about people loving you, it, um, it causes you to do crazy things. You know, I found myself in a relationship that lasted 15 years where I got married, you know, to someone who basically told me that I would be marrying them. And, uh, and I had kind of felt like this expectation that I'd be in that relationship. And I just kind of did it because it socially seemed like the appropriate thing. It sounds crazy to say that. I mean, um, but it is the truth, you know, uh, was just a young guy dating someone and, you know, was kind of told that, hey, listen, you're going to propose to me or you're going to leave me. And at that ripe age of 21 or 22, I, the thought of, you know, losing a girlfriend was just the scariest thing ever, especially given how I've described my wiring up to that point. And so, yeah, we got married and, and naturally these types of things don't last, do they? And, um, you know, so there's a lot going on in that time. I ended up in a crew that frankly wasn't really me again, you know, uh, my first wife was in university administration. So I kind of tagged along for a career in university administration and kind of did that despite it not really being for me and having no skills in that area and even built a career on it, you know, which seems mad to me, but now looking back, mm-hmm. but, um, I just stuck with it, you know, so this 15 year relationship and then six or seven years in that career at the university of Lethbridge only to find out that I, you know, I really wasn't happy. <laughs> You know, yeah, and um, I don't want to say that I woke up one day and realized that I wasn't happy, but there was kind of like a critical event. I had a boss came into my office, and I won't share any more than that. But somebody came into my office one day and said, "Hey, Courtney, like, you know, your your work is substandard, you know, and we think that we're going to have to let you go." And my heart broke. Like this person was a very big man. Okay, I'm not a small person, but he significantly bigger than me. And I just immediately broke down. So you can imagine how embarrassing that was, right? Like sitting here crying while this like super dominant figure is standing above me, threatening, you know, my future, right? As far as I could tell. And um, that really scared me. And so I went home and uh, decided that I was going to quit that job. It was simple as that. I I just knew that 
something that had shattered me like so much um, shouldn't be a part of my life, you know, and that, like I, I just shouldn't allow things like this to happen to me anymore. And so I did some soul searching and I did some thinking and, and decided on what I was going to do. And I had a couple plans. Um, one of them was real estate. You know, I just happened to know some people that were in real estate and, and uh, I happened to interview them and, and it ended up seeming to me like these people were pretty happy with their lives. And I, and I didn't think there was anything special about them that I couldn't do. You know, the, the work isn't rocket science, like selling a house itself, you know, building a business is hard, but selling a house isn't too bad. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to do that, you know, and, and I'd rather make less money, you know, selling houses than be in an environment where I have bullies and this threat of loss, you know, like my entire life flashing before my eyes. Like I had that one day, April 20th, 2007. And so, yeah, I decided to do it and it ended up being okay. You know, that was a very, like I'm fast tracking, but I mean, that was a very scary time, obviously, like leaving a career like that was making big money. And um, I had no prospects of how much money I would make in real estate, but I just knew that, hey, listen, sometimes you got to follow your heart and, and try something. And I was only, I was still in my early 30s, you know, I was like 34, 33. And um, I gave it a whirl. And some really beautiful things started happening for me. Uh, it was around that time that I realized that I was in a, a relationship that I didn't want to be in. And so I made the really tough decision that I was going to leave that relationship. And... Um, and of course, naturally, that was pretty tough. But, you know, when you start kind of reevaluating major components of your life, like, like a career, the unfortunate reality is that you can begin reevaluating these other major components of your life, like your primary relationships. And then as that began to unwind, then so did a lot of these friendships that I had built around this kind of false persona of being like the university administrator guy, which really weren't me. And, uh, and so naturally, a lot of those relationships, those personal relationships began unfolding as well. And there's a lot of grief during that time. I don't want to tell you that that was a picnic, but that was a three-year hell ride for me because I was working hard in my real estate business, but I was simultaneously unwinding a primary relationship and I was simultaneously unwinding these friendships that hadn't been based on the truest version of me, right? And then trying to define what this next version of Courtney was going to look like. And I was scared shitless and there were a lot of days where I didn't want to get out of bed and, you know, there's... You know, a lot of times where I drank a few too many beer and, and wasn't, um, you know, wasn't doing the best work. But the fact is, I got through it. And as a result of that, you know, person and um, and my wife, Melanie, who is now in the company with me, we work together uh, with the Atkinson team at EXP Realty. And, and so it just has been a beautiful journey of like self-discovery and um finding people that love me for me and allowing me just to be this version of myself that's so socially able that I'm at peace with that doesn't require some sort of mask to be worn and doesn't doesn't require me to bake it you know mm-hmm. and the interesting thing I think that that a lot of men experience and I'm, I'm sure that this isn't you know something that only men experience but I know that there was a lot of pressure growing up to be super masculine you know uh, you know, to kind of like show up a certain way and to be a certain way and to see and just to do certain things. And, um, and through this journey, I think if there's been anything that I've learned, it's, it's that like, we're all perfect in our own way. And one of the greatest challenges that we might face, but also I would say one of the greatest gifts that we can give the world is just to show up whole and good at peace and flow in the way that we were built to be, you know, 
and so I, I mean, while I appreciate your compliments around their success, um, the fact of the matter is, is I think it's really just come because I've just let go of a lot of what people expect, you know, like I, I don't focus on, um, who somebody wants me to be or what I might be for somebody else. I really just try to be the best guy that I can be and try to support the people in my business the best that I can try to support my wife and kids the best that I can without pretending to be something that I'm not like, I'm just really sensitive. I cry super easily. Like these seemingly intentional pauses that I'm using right now are like me just taking a breath so that I don't break down weeping. Like I'm just wired that way. And so, you know, you spend 20 years of your life pretending to be this person that you're not. And then unwinding that takes a lot of energy. But once you do, there's real power in that. And you start to see like the universe unfold for you in ways that it never did before. And you ask yourself, like, why do we put people through that? You know, why do we expect folks to wear these masks? And and why can't we give permission to just... Um, and people in general, I think, with, take somebody who's transgendered, you know, like my, my plight would be significantly less traumatic than a transgendered person. Why can't we just give permission to these people just to be, you know, yeah. and to accept them wholly the way that they are? And, uh, and I would say, like, watch them flourish, right, uh, in a way that, that they might not have otherwise given some social you know confines or expectations and um, it's been a really powerful change for me and that's kind of my hope for people and and the way that we built this organization is really focusing primarily on having like a no asshole policy and having a no bullying policy and having like a, a no excuses policy too like and I don't mean in the kind of way that a lot of organizations have like a written policy around no bullying like we're just going to say fuck you today's your last day goodbye like we're not going to have meetings about it and consultations and coaching and all this shit. Like if, if you're an asshole, like there's the door. Um, it was nice knowing you, but not anymore kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't know if that kind of explains a bit of my journey and how I got here, but um, uh, I think that's, that's kind of a condensed version at least. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, that's, that was so beautiful that you invited us all in and I can see how, yeah, for kids who go through their parents' divorce, it's always very, yeah, it shakes your foundation. It shakes uh, what you thought reality was. It shakes what you thought love was, and, and you are kind of lost. And for, for every person, it is very different. And the reason I invited you onto my show is because I pick guys intentionally where I think they're very heart driven and through being very in tune with themselves they became successful so you became successful with what you're doing right now because people can sense your our authenticity <laughs> I have difficulties with that word oh, yeah. and especially when it comes to real estate I only met a couple realtors but there was always that weird vibe of, oh, they want to make money off of me. And it is a difficult decision for me to, to take. And if there is a person I can fully trust, and I know he has my back, he has best intentions, then of course, I'm going to trust you and give you my money and, and be happy with the choice we make together. And the other thing right. I wanted to add is that 
like, isn't it so crazy how back then you thought everything was falling apart when, when your job, like when you got fired, you thought, no, now life is ending. Now everything I'm, I'm trying to hold together is being taken away from me. And now looking back, you can see, no, the, the universe was actually un, untangling me and liberating me from the life I was trying to live. And mm -hmm. but you only see it afterwards. And this is why this episode is so endlessly precious because we want to give people who, hope who are in this mess right now and that they trust that sometimes to lose something means that you're going to win really big in the future, but you have to let go of your attachments to something that is not really yours anymore. And um, yeah, incredible. <laughs> I love that analogy of, of hanging on to, to these things, because I think the, the human plight is to, you know, to, to work really hard and to accomplish this thing that we've envisioned, you know, our entire lives. And for a lot of people, that's like a retirement or a job title or, you know, some sort of thing. Right. And, and I think one of the things that I've learned in my journey is that, you know, we really just don't know what it's meant to look like and we have to be at peace with, with the journey. And it sounds so cliche, but the truth is, is that we only have these moments, like how precious is this moment that you and I have together today as an example But also, I'll, I'll reflect back on this time last year, and I'll just tell you in absolute transparency. So, you know, COVID came around in whatever, March 15th of 2020. And by the time, you know, April or May had rolled around, you know, I was absolutely 100% without any shadow of a doubt convinced that in some fairly short period of time, I would be without a business and any savings, okay? And so I've worked really hard. We've worked really hard over the last 13 years to, you know, to put some money away and to build this business and to do some things that would set us up for our retirement. And I came completely to grips with that all completely disappearing, so much so that, you know, I was prepared to buy a used $5,000 car and uh, simply just begin over again. And while that was really, really scary in the beginning, the place that I got to that really, I think, helped me see things differently and why this past year for me has been such a blessing was that it, it allowed me to detach from a lot of these outcomes. It was a really good refresher, you know, that, hey, listen, like all that matters is this moment that I'm in and what my thought about this moment is. Because, you know, the pain that we experience around loss is just a, a thought that we have around something that may or may not happen. And we don't have a lot of control over it. And, and it's the thought that causes so much pain, right? if we can let go of the thought and focus on beauty that's present, we're good. Like there's really nothing to worry about. At, at the end of the day, we're in a first world country. I'm not the kind of person who's going to have to worry about food or shelter. Okay. My children are not going to starve to death. We're not all of a sudden not going to have running water. Like we will figure that out. Okay. And so fundamentally, if my children are happy, my health is good. My wife is happy. And, and I have a good opinion of these things. Really? What more do I need? You know? And thankfully, none of those things happened, but it was a beautiful time because I got completely at peace with that, you know, and um, just detaching from, from that outcome, these goals, these objectives that I had been building up, you know, over the years. And so I, I was humbled and I was appreciative for that journey. Mm. 
Wow, that's so powerful to share. And I know a lot of people are still very scared about that uncertainty, but it is really our mind that makes up the worst scenarios that you can imagine at times in order to, yeah, wanting to protect us. But does it really serve you to live in that fear and to believe that everything is going to be so painful? And then I also wanted to add to the belonging and and that struggle that you had when you were little or or maybe in your teen years. Um, I feel a lot of times when we're trying so hard to belong, people can feel that and they will reject you and they will add more to that pain and mm -hmm. you experienced maybe only after losing that job that you have to give yourself that permission first you have to know first that you are so endlessly worthy and then love will come and and things will come to you and now my que next question would be um how did you meet your wife how how was that how did that go about like how did you know This is, this is true. This is good for me. And I'm worthy of that love and I'm ready for that love. How was that mm. journey for you? That's a beautiful question. Um, you know, I don't think it was an especially unusual circumstance, but the interesting thing was that while I was at the university, I, I was in faculty recruitment. And so my job was to recruit a lot of different faculty members to Canada, to Alberta from different places. And so, you know, I think during my time there, we brought in something like 40 or 50 different faculty members. And naturally they brought sometimes children, sometimes partners with them to take these jobs. And so it was in about maybe 2004 or five, uh, we had brought in a, a really renowned uh, kinesiologist to Lethbridge And uh, he came and worked in the same department that my now ex-wife was in. And we all became friends, you know, us couples, you know, uh, myself and my first wife and, and those two, amongst many other people that were kind of in that cohort of folks that had joined the university around the same time. So, you know, a group of friends, say 12 or 18 people deep that was always hanging out. And this was kind of in our 20s, right? And um, so around, you know, say my early 30s, my first marriage, you know, was was kind of dissolving. And uh, I was out of my own in real estate and um, making a go of kind of starting my company. And it wasn't long after that, one of my dear friends was also leaving her relationship. And uh, maybe like a year later, I think it might have been two years later. And we had always been the best of friends. You know, anytime we'd gotten together at parties, we would always be like the last two standing, you know, always telling stories and just kind of hanging out. And we also had a really, a really good friend and, um, and lots of laughs and lots of fun. And then now we were kind of simultaneously experiencing this pain of, of unwinding relationships, me and my kind of second year of doing that and her kind of at the beginning of that, I suppose. And so naturally, you know, <laughs> at the time that you get divorced, you unwind friendships too, that were connected to that relationship. Right. And so I was doing that and, And now she was just kind of in the beginning stages of unwinding friendships with the same people, right? Because people take sides. I mean, it doesn't make them bad people, but generally speaking, folks in a relationship will choose a side. And in this case, you know, all the people 
on the other side of the relationship worked for the same employer. So naturally they're seeing each other all the time. And the people who are not any longer at that employer are naturally not going to be friends anymore. Like it's just, it's just the way that it should be. And so she was experiencing that and I was experiencing that. And after a period of time, you know, I, I think she had been away for about a year doing some business away and then came back and was looking for a place to rent. And, and I think this was in my second or third year divorce. And I said, well, listen, if you want, I got a bedroom at my, in my duplex, if you want to rent a room. And um, so we actually moved in together as roommates. Um, in, in, I think two or three years after my divorce and, um, and then our friendship blossomed and kind of one thing led to another. And, you know, then we didn't need that spare bedroom anymore, you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> Oh and the, and I don't, I, I won't, I won't say that like that I that I didn't have like some sense that that could be the journey that we took together. But I, I, I would certainly not say that I had a vision for us, you know, being madly in love that um, that we would get married and have two amazing kids together. Like if you had told me that, um, I couldn't, I couldn't have believed it. But yeah, that was our journey, and it was really kind of slow. And at the time, neither one of us had wanted children. And I think after a few years, we started having that conversation. And by then, you know, I wasn't a young guy. Like we were well into our thirties. And um, so, yeah, it's just been this beautiful growth of a friendship and, and evolved into a business partnership. And, um, and now, you know, we get to raise our kids around this great business that we've built together and, um, you know, hope that one day, you know, they might like to work with us. So yeah, time will tell about that too. <laughs> wow. That is such a special little story like i i didn't expect that like but yeah a lot of people say yeah you have to be best friends with your partner it can't just be based on uh physicality and and whatnot and this is so beautiful because you can totally trust each other you can totally yeah be authentic and open and don't have to put on a mask and and yeah This is very, very powerful. Um, it was interesting to Mel had, yeah. sorry, I'll just close with this part about Mel. You know, she had grown up um, kind of differently. Like she didn't have any of these fears about not being liked. I mean, she was bullied and didn't give a shit about it. She was like, well, these other kids have a problem and like her entire life. And so she had just this much different approach than I did in, in the way that she came to the world, you know, like, just not being concerned with what people thought and not doing the conventional thing, you know, not following necessarily society's expectations of her as a woman. And, um, and not in some sort of rude, respectful way, but just in like, she definitely had her own path. And so for me to be around somebody like her was really different. You know, it was really empowering for me to see somebody like so uncaring about what people thought. And so, you know, committed to just doing her the best version of her that she could. And that was, uh, that was really eye opening to me. It took me, frankly, a long time to, to learn those skills. And I would say that I learned a lot of that from her. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's always important that you can learn something from your partner, that they're kind of opening up a new world to you. Um, because if you are on the same side, then yeah, there's a lot of understanding and you can relate to each other but maybe you will get tired of each other at some point. And if the person is kind of on the opposite side, then there is that beautiful little tension that, that creates that attraction and on, on very subtle levels. Um, that's, yeah, that's really, cool. really powerful. 
Now, if we were to to inspire and give hope to people who are still struggling with uncertainty, all that uncertainty with COVID, um, what would you recommend? How should we use this time now wisely? What would you say is the most important thing to do right now when you maybe lost your job, you have too much time on your side and, and don't know really how to, yeah, grow in those times because we feel so restricted. But I feel you could tell us about how we can still work on ourselves and, and create hope um, within us. I have a few thoughts and I'll, I'll first say that I fast tracked through my experience March. Okay. You know, I kind of said what the problem was and then I, you know, I delighted you with a good outcome of, you know, me getting to this place. Well, the truth is, is that it took a lot of work. You know, it wasn't like I was scared, scared, scared. And then one day I woke up and everything was okay. You know, I was scared, scared, scared for a few weeks and then just recognized that, the best way for me and many people to, to work out of a, of an emotional state like that is to, is to do the hard work on yourself, you know, and I've, I've had a pretty practice of self-care for probably the last five or six years. And I've always kind of had a decent practice, but nothing like this. And um, I just doubled down on it, frankly, you know, I did have some more time in my hands. And so I, I, I committed to a pretty significant workout regimen um, and made some very specific goals around my physical health last year that, you know, in other years with less time wouldn't have been practical, but I thought, okay, listen, I've got the time and I know that it'll yield results psychologically that will serve me in other ways. If I'm really, really focused on my health, you know, eating well and exercising lots, I just thought, okay, if I can commit to this one thing, it's something that I can control I can do it within the confines of my house. And like most people, we were locked up a lot. Like we had 16 weeks in quarantine last year. So, so um, that was the thing that I did, but that was on top of, you know, a very regimented early morning practice. Like it didn't matter that a lot of times I didn't have to be anywhere till nine that like kids were home and there wasn't a lot of stress in the morning. I, um, I still made a point of, you know, getting up at four going down to the basement, doing my stretches for 15 minutes, writing out my gratitude, writing out my affirmations, you know, writing out my goals, both for the near term and the long term, doing a visioning practice, doing a meditation practice, sitting in front of my, my blue light, my sad light. Well, I did all that and uh, all that before going to work out for an hour or an hour and a half, depending on how much time I had. And then spending time intentionally with my children, you know, with breakfast and having some laughs, playing a board game or whatever. And I thought, you know, this is always important stuff. And I advocate for anybody to do this, you know, if they want to improve their mental health and improve their motivation and improve some of the things that they're attracting in their life. Like, I think these are paramount, mm. but they were absolutely essential for me in, in recognizing the beauty in my life and how much to be with no possessions and no income. And, uh, and when, like, when you're good, you're good. Like when you're good, you don't need a car, you don't need a house, you don't need money and savings. Like when you're, when you're good, you can, you can be good. And you see that, like when you look around the planet and you see 
the joy in children's faces who literally have like absolutely nothing but possibly a shirt on their back, but, you know, you know in fun playing little games with balls and sticks and, and you see other people with significantly less than you and just a lot of joy and, and uh, care in their hearts, you know, you're reminded that, listen, like we just live such a blessed life that we take most of it for granted. And, and I think through that journey and through that practice, I was able to get back to basics a little bit more. And, and that's helped me show up better, I think, this year. And this has been one of my best years from a personal growth standpoint, I think, ever, frankly. Um, and I think it's because I, I kind of had a bit of a reset. You know, I, I had to like, say there's nothing. Say it's just you. How would you be? Well, I'd eat really well. I'd exercise lots. I'd focus on my mental health and I would try to be the best person I could and love everybody. Hmm. Beautiful. What a powerful ending. Closing and, and yeah, this is... And that's uh, my shirt. So this is why I've got these new work shirts. So I'm wearing this shirt every day now. Yes. And can I, can I take a screenshot of this? I'm going to take a screenshot yes. for the people out there. Awesome. Yes, we need to see that shirt. Courtney, thank you endlessly for your time today and for opening up so much. Like it was so valuable. We we brought a lot of yeah light and hope out into the world. And um yeah, I'm very excited to to share this episode and I was very excited to get to know you a little better. And, and yeah, mm -hmm. thank you so much. Yeah, this has been a, a real joy for me as well. And I would love to sit down with you once things relax a little bit and, and we can have a cup of coffee together and, uh, and do this again sometime. So thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you so much for listening to this interview. It is really important for me that... Yeah, you make your own conclusions, but ultimately feel inspired and feel, yeah, that you're not alone. If you're going through mess right now, if you're going through pain, know that one day it might all make sense. It might all look very different than it feels right now. So never give up and know that the universe has your back or God has your back or yourself you have your back and if you need help reach out for help we are not professionals here we're just people who went through stuff but can talk um, but there's excellent counselors out there who can help you out if you feel hopeless and powerless thank you so much for listening and if you feel like Taking some time aside, just a couple minutes, leave us a review on Apple Podcast. It would mean the world to us. Thank you so much and have a good rest of your day. Bye-bye.